On today's show, the Houston Rockets pick up K.J. Martin's fourth year option and they waive Dacian Knicks. Plus, we'll get our final predictions headed into Rockets free agency. Dylan Brooks, Fred Van Vliet, maybe Brooke Lopez, who are ultimately going to be the newest Houston Rockets added once July 1st hits. It's all coming up right here at Locked on Rockets. This is Mission Control, Houston. Ignition sequence start. The Houston Rockets select Jalen Green. Alperon Shingun and Jabari Smith Jr. T-minus 15 seconds. Guidance is internal. Every time I step on that floor, I'm coming. Hey, Houston fans, I am so happy. You're getting somebody who's going to come in with a chip on their shoulder, somebody who's going to come, come in and compete from day one. Six, five, four, three, two, one. What's up and welcome to another edition of Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. As always, I'm your host, Jackson Gatlin, native Houstonian and credentialed media member. I'm also the host of Locked on NBA Mondays. Be sure to follow along on Twitter at JT Gatlin and the show, of course, at Locked on Rockets, free and available wherever you listen to your podcast, including YouTube. Go to YouTube, search Locked on Rockets. Be sure to like, comment and subscribe. Drop your official predictions for what the Houston Rockets are going to do in free agency in the U. YouTube comments. Now, today's episode is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code Locked On NBA for twenty dollars off your first purchase. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. And as always, thank you so much for making Locked On Rockets part of your day every single day. Whether it's on the way to work, on the lunch break, in the gym, thank you for making LOR part of your day every single day. Thank you to all of our everydayers. Joining us now on the eve of NBA free agency is none other than your weekly co-host, the podfather himself, Rockets Wire editor and host of the Logger Line podcast, Ben DuBose. You can track down on Twitter at Ben DuBose. And Ben, there is a lot going on, a lot of rumors, a lot of reporting, a lot of speculation in the lead up to this free agency period for the Houston Rockets, where they have the most money on the market to make some serious moves. There are some strong names that are being tied to the Rockets organization. We're going to get to those and some of our speculations, some of what we think is ultimately going to happen, our predictions for what ultimately happens via free agency for the Rockets this summer. But first things first, we got a couple tidbits of news regarding current Houston Rockets. Um, do you want do you want to share the news or should I? You want to? This is your show, so go ahead. <laughs> Dacian Knicks has been waived by the Houston Rockets. You know what? I don't want to talk about Dacian Nick. I just don't understand it. I don't know what's going on. And it's just, it's a lot of Dacian Nicks. Had to hit the sound bite one more time. Uh, look, this As is... As Matt Thomas would say, what was your favorite Dacian Nicks moment in Houston? Oh, man. Um, you know what my favorite moment was, Ben? My favorite moment was the 81 games that he played over the last two seasons. Amazing PR stat. <laughs> so, just a peek behind the curtain for all of you. When, Whenever the Rockets make an official move or do anything... We get an email blast from Rockets PR, and usually there's like statistics and you know cool little factoids about the players. Yeah. And and Sean within their PR staff is one of the best in the entire league at gathering those little tidbits that can make almost anybody seem like a really impressive NBA player. He's great at it. It's, he's phenomenal. He does an excellent job. Shout out to Sean. But in the email that we received for the announcement of the Rockets waving Dacian Nix. First off, this was also announced in tandem with the Rockets opting to pick up the option for KJ Martin's contract this upcoming season. So that happened as well. Um, 
it, it, you know, we get a little, we get some factoids about KJ Martin. Uh, he He's appeared in 206 games, averaging this many points. Yeah. Martin ranked 12th in NBA field goal percentage, like a bunch of little factoids about KJ Martin. Then we get to Dacian Nix and it says verbatim. The Rockets also announced they have waived guard Dacian Nix. He appeared in 81 games for Houston over the past two seasons. That's all we got. <laughs> That defines the Dacian Knicks era with the Rockets, although there will be some glorious tank commander memes. If either Jabari or uh, Amin Thompson turns out to be a stud, then let's not forget the second tank commander. John Wall was the first, or John Wall slash Avery Bradley, but then you had Dacian Knicks for the last couple of years. Absolutely, man. Just just the, the a, a very long lineage of tank commanders uh, during this Rockets phase one of their rebuild. Now, Obviously, you know, we're, we're, we're having a little fun with it here, but um, I do, I will say, I do wish Dacian Nix all the best. He just Same. wasn't the right fit for the Houston Rockets. Um, and ultimately, they're clearly going in a new direction with Amon um, Thompson and the other plethora yeah. of guards they've got on the roster. Yeah, and for sure, these moves dovetail with the broader offseason theme, which is a pivot to winning. There might be a player in Dacian Nix. There's reasons that not just the Rockets, but other people thought, especially if he could get his body right, that he was potentially a first-round type talent. And no, I'm not just sourcing that from within the Rockets. You can find that other places as well. It's just about... It's just about time, and the Rockets don't have that time. We know starting next season, they're going to try to win. And ultimately, I think that may have dictated the K.J. Martin decision as well. Because the reality is, had they done with K.J. what they did with Jay Sean Tate a year ago and used his potential restricted status to sign into a deal that's a bit friendlier long-term, you would not have been able to trade him for six months. And it's not so much that KJ can't contribute. Yeah, he can. But the Rockets already have a lot of forwards. And you just brought in an uber-athletic Cam Whitmore a week ago. To be KJ Martin is a classic young guy that's just going to be a victim of the roster crunch. And so by picking up that option and keeping him at the low rate, it allows you to A, max out your cap space this summer, and B, keep him trade eligible, which ultimately I suspect sooner rather than later is the end result. Yeah, it definitely feels like I think we're on probably the... I think we've got a KJ Martin trade probably on the horizon. I think the Rocket, we, we know that there's reporting out there that the Rockets are kind of gauging interest in a number of the young pieces on their roster. KJ Martin and Jay Shantate are two names that have had reported trade interest in the past at previous trade deadlines. Other teams have definitely called in and tried to see what it would take to pry one of them away from Houston. And then on top of that, Josh Christopher, Usman Garuba. Um, and why am I blanking? There's one more name. Who else am I blanking on? Is that it? Wait, wait. What's the context? Uh, as far as just t- you know, gauging trade interest for young oh, for I the would, young players on the roster. Young players. Um, that's probably it. I mean, I suspect they're gauging Jay Sean Tate as well, but you wouldn't yeah. necessarily call him young. Fair enough. Um, but yeah, I, you know, if, it very much feels like this was the move to allow the flexibility moving forward for the roster to allow them to keep KJ Mar again when he's you know at that low rate. I mean, he is an incredibly valuable asset for a number of teams out there that can you know he can fill a pretty solid role. And there were definitely some you know playoff caliber teams that were kind of kicking the tires a little bit around K.J. Martin this past season around the trade deadline, and the Rockets ultimately decided that they weren't ready to move on from him. But like you said, with the Cam Whitmore addition, with the direction of this team moving forward, the roster crunch, it feels like he's going to be probably the next domino to fall uh, as far as a potential trade piece. Especially because, and I know we'll get into this, but there's been reports today linking the Rockets to both Dylan Brooks and Kyle Kuzma. If you add just one of those two, then you're throwing yet another player in that same mix of minutes that K.J. Martin would be competing 
for. And there's also the fact that in year two, you would like to think that Jabari Smith Jr. and Charlie Eason each take a step forward and they're higher priority assets just simply based on where the Rockets drafted them in 2022. So for all those reasons, KJ is a guy who I think is unlikely to truly be unlocked in Houston simply because of the surrounding roster and the pivot point this offseason. So it makes sense to sort of cash in on that asset as best the Rockets can. Absolutely. And you mentioned a couple of the names there that have some rumors and reporting surrounding them. Kyle Kuzma and Dylan Brooks. We're going to talk about those guys here in just a moment. But I will say one more shout out. Two Dacia Knicks, go watch the nearest, go find the nearest Knicks tape that you can find on Twitter for all the good memories, all the fond moments uh, over these past couple seasons. But with that coming up, we are going to get into some of the free agency speculation. We're going to get there in just one moment. But first, today's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. So what is prize picks? It's daily fantasy sports, but how does it work? Basically, you pick two to six players, and if they score more or less than their prize picks projection, you can win up to 25 times back on your money on any entry you submit. There's no competing against other people. It's just you versus the projections available. And prize picks offers projections on any sport that you watch. That's NBA, NFL, NHL, MLB, PGA. They've got you covered for all the action over at prize picks. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's that simple. They're safe. They offer fast withdrawals. Currently operational in over 30 states and Canada. So download the PrizePix app or go to prizepix.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports. First-time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with promo code LOCKEDON. That means if you deposit $100, PrizePix will give you $100. If you deposit $50, PrizePix will give you $50. So don't forget to enter promo code LOCKEDON at sign up for an instant deposit match up to $100. And continuing on here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. Be sure to stay tuned in to the show. We will have an extra episode out this week reacting to whatever happens with the Rockets in free agency. So be on the lookout for that. Now, Ben, a couple of the names here that the Rockets have been linked to. Dylan Brooks, we know strongly, you know, I think both of us have probably had conversations kind of gauging the organization's interest in Dylan Brooks. It seems like there's uh, some strong, some strong interest from the Rockets in making that a move this free agency period. The Kyle Kuzma stuff is like so random. I haven't had any conversations that point towards Kyle Kuzma being a legitimate target for the Rockets. That to me screams like angling for a bit, you know, using the Rockets as leverage. I know there, you know, there's a lot of Rockets fans that think that every player is out there doing it, that the, that the Harden situation would leverage, that Fred Van Vliet is leveraged, that the Rockets are basically just getting used by leverage by every player in the NBA. The Kyle Kuzma one is definitely just a leverage play. I wouldn't say 100%, but most likely, yeah. I have not heard his name in Houston, and I think it's noteworthy that people on the ground in Houston, not just us, but more established types, look at Jonathan Fagan of the Chronicle, Kelly Eco of The Athletic, they have not mentioned Kuzma a single time, to my knowledge, and that's pretty telling because these are the people that are actually looking at it from a Rockets perspective, as opposed to many of the national reports. Those tend to be sourced from the agent community, and you think it through. Yeah, it makes sense for an agent to get the best deal for his client to say, hey, I could theoretically see my client going to, in this case, Houston, the team with the most cap room on the market, and so it can squeeze an extra million or two out of the destination that they actually plan on going to. We've seen that playbook time and time again. And so until I see Kuzma confirmed on the ground in Houston, I'm going to be 
watching that a bit warily. I, I won't say it's entirely impossible. And, it's, and it sucks because we're not going to, it's going to take us at least an extra hour to confirm Kuzma <laughs> on the ground in Houston because Berman's not going to be at the airport tracking him down anymore. We need somebody to fill those shoes. Those are massive shoes why to be couldn't filled. Ber- why couldn't Berman have waited until July 12th? Come on. I know, right? He had, he had one more major free agency period with 60 million plus in cap to spend. He couldn't hold on just a little bit longer, Although, man. Come on, Berman. Although I will say in this case, I've heard that the Rockets will be in Los Angeles tomorrow for the opening of free agency. Not exactly a huge scoop because, spoiler alert, like half the NBA is going to be in L.A. It's the unofficial capital of the league. But we also know from other reporting that Fred Van Fleet is going to be in L.A. on Friday. The Raptors hope to meet with him there. So putting two and two together, I feel pretty strongly that the Rockets are going to be trying to get a meeting to sit down one-on-one with Fred Van Fleet after the clock turns to uh, 3 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Central on Friday. Yeah, sure. Because not because all these deals, ha, you know, are are you know concocted within two minutes of the clock striking uh, three p.m. Pacific, and you know, big wink and all that, all that good stuff. The dog and yeah. pony show here sucks. It's just the worst. I yeah. mean, all these verbal agreements and everything. But go ahead. No, I was just going to say, as far as Kuzma, the reality there's way too much reporting, both locally and nationally, and I think what you need to look for again, the national reports tend to come a lot more from the agent community. The local is sourced from the team. And then where the real smoke is, is when you can combine the two, because that means that you're hearing that smoke from both places. Yeah. And the two names that we have heard most frequently in the days leading up to free agency are Fred Van Vliet and Dylan Brooks. And to me, because you're hearing that nationally and you're hearing that locally, then I think that it's pretty clear that Fred and Dylan are their top two targets. For guys like Kuzma, I won't write it off entirely. Again, sometimes it does leak from just one side and there also can be backup plans at play it's also that you know even if the rockets don't have the money to sign fred dylan and kuzma then that's based on the 60 to 65 million dollars in cap space that they have as currently constructed if you were to offload say a jay sean tate or a kevin porter jr a salary of significance and also in the case of kpj you'd be freeing up a rotation slot then all of a sudden there are some new things that you could potentially do with your roster as you fill out your rotation for the nine, 10 guys that are actually going to play. So that's why I wouldn't say hundred percent, there's nothing to it, but I would say it's unlikely. I think what's pretty clear based on molding the national reports with the local is that Fred and Dylan are going to be the top two targets. And then after those two, if it's going to be someone in the Kuzma class, there would have to be some sort of roster move to accompany it. So what I would say is that while you can sort of raise an eyebrow a little bit at that report, I wouldn't take it too seriously unless you see later tonight or sometime Friday, you know, something like Tate or KPJ being moved into cap space. If that's the scenario and all of a sudden you're looking at 70, even $80 million in space, then yeah, there might be something a little bit crazy that's coming down the pike. But as of now, no, there's just way too much reporting. And I've heard the same myself that, that, that Fred and Dylan are the guys. And look, I know a lot of people have their hesitation about Dylan Brooks based on some of the antics and the way things went down with the Memphis Grizzlies this past season. But look, first off, this is why you bring in Ime Udoka who can be that 
at least you hope, type of steadying force to give Dylan the guidance that he needs. And secondly, look, we know for the Rockets, they're looking at, you know, we say pivot point a lot with 2023, but in reality, the actual pivot point for the franchise, at least when it comes to contention, is probably like 2025, because that's when your rookie extension starts to kick in for Jalen Green and Alper and Shingun, your salaries start to explode, and you also have to hope by then that some of your young guys, Jalen, Alpee, Jabari, Amon, that some of them are ready at that time to take the next step into the best player or maybe second best player on a championship level team. And if you don't develop the best internally, then maybe you have to look for a leverage trade somewhere else. But the point is 2025, 2026, that's where the Rockets are actually looking to make the climb to contention. And how that's correlated with this summer is the Rockets don't want to tie themselves down for three, four years to 2026, 2027, when you don't know exactly how things are going to look in 2025. You want to be able to have maximum flexibility at that point, because that's when you're actually trying to put a contending roster on the floor. What you do this summer is all about a bridge for the next couple of years. So because of that, because you're trying to sign guys to two-year deals rather than three or four, you may have to either overpay them in the case of Fred, because I think, you know, the Raptors have been offering about 30 or so million a year in average annual value. So for the Rockets to get him on a two-year deal, you probably would have to max him out at 40 or slightly more than $40 million a year. In the case of Dylan Brooks, I don't know so much as that it's about um, overpaying, but it's more about you sort of it, it makes the Rockets be more willing to take a flyer on the baggage. Basically, you have to do something to get the terms that you want, that two-year flexibility, then either you, you have to overpay, or in the case of Dylan, take a bit of a character risk, although you hope that Ime has a good read on him. The bottom line is you have to do something a little bit unsavory to get the player on the terms that the Rockets want. I think that's the way that they're looking at this offseason. And one last thing on Dylan. I've seen a lot of people and the reports Mark Stein had out today that it could be 14 to $16 million in average annual value. And I saw some people saying, who are the Rockets conceivably bidding against? Here's the thing. A lot of fans have not adjusted to the new collective bargaining agreement where the year one MLE is at about $13 million. It's a huge jump from what fans are used to. And even the above the cap teams have the MLE. We've heard links today of perhaps Bruce Brown being linked with the Lakers because really the MLE isn't that lower isn't that much lower than what his value would be amongst the teams that have cap space. So I think where a lot of fans are being misguided on this, they're going down the list, teams with cap space, who might go after Dylan Brooks, and because they can't find one, they're saying, well, why are the Rockets giving him this much when I'm not even sure what his alternative is? You can get him a lot cheaper. No, I do think that if you look at it from the perspective of the MLE, and especially if a team's willing to offer the MLE for four years, and we know the Rockets are willing to, uh, are trying to stick to two-year deals, then ultimately that in my opinion, is the confluence that makes them perhaps overpay a little bit and take a bit of, again, a, I guess a character flyer in order to get the structure that they want. Yeah, and when we look at the way that the Rockets are trying to approach these contracts, first off, with Dylan Brooks, I'm, I'm kind of right there with you. Like, I've warmed up to the idea of Dylan Brooks a little bit more in Houston for a variety of reasons, and even when you look at what he would ultimately cost for this team, right? You put his his market value just slightly above the threshold of what is going to be the projected new MLE. And that's that's something that's going to take a lot of NBA fans time to adjust to, right? Like in my head, Ben, when I still think MLE, yep. I think 10 million, like ballpark, right? Like I'm not I'm not floating anywhere near that 13, right. 14. That's 
you know, those are salaries that we start to associate with, you know, those maybe like B tier star players almost, or those like, you know, the third or fourth piece on a contender, not, you know, an MLE type value. So for the Rockets, it's not even really a drastic overpay. If you're going to give Dylan Brooks something just above the MLE value. And if it's on a couple years, if you're outbidding other teams, if there's not a team out there that really wants to fork over a three-year or a four-year long deal to Dylan Brooks, then you might have to, like you said, overpay a little bit for that two-year window. I also think it's really beneficial that the Rockets wound up having all this cap space that they have to play with this summer the way that it's lined up with the new CBA because the cap is projected to increase in subsequent years, right? So... Yeah, it's there's a there's a strong likelihood that guys like a Fred Van Vliet or guys like a Dylan Brooks or maybe even a Brooke Lopez would be interested in taking a one or a two year balloon payment and then being able yeah. to revisit their long term contract projections or their long term contract What's possibilities. What's the new TV deal? Exactly right. When once that all once the influx of the new money comes in, then rather than being locked into what would be a four-year deal this summer and missing out on some of that money down the line, you're still getting the money because the Rockets are willing to overpay on short-term deals, but then you also get the chance to lock in a secure long-term deal once the new TV money hits. And one last thing about the two-year deals, we should point out that you would have early bird rights after those Mm -hmm. two years. That's a key factor because, you know, Fred is 29, Dylan, I believe, is 27. It's not like these guys are so old. This is not a James Harden scenario where you feel pretty convinced that by 2025 or 2026, this guy isn't going to have value to you. No, these guys theoretically could. It's that you don't know. So it gives you the optionality to get out of them if you need to, to use them as expiring contracts in a trade. But also, if they're working out, then it gives you the optionality to easily keep them because you have their early bird rights. So that's the key is that two years gives the Rockets peak flexibility. And so that's why I think, you know, we say pivot point, you know, Raphael Stone is called this offseason phase two, but in reality, it's sort of like phase one B is the way I look at it. Phase 1A, which is bottoming out on a number of levels and waiting for the money to roll off the books and have flexibility. This is not what it was the last couple of years, but this is not aggressively trying to chase every win, every margin over the next couple of years. This is about setting you up so that when you're truly at the pivot point, the pivot point that we all want the Rockets to be at, which is when they're actually ready to contend and trying to do everything they can to maximize every win, every margin, then they're able to do that. And so ultimately for the Rockets, that's why they're looking and there are some trade-offs associated with it. That's what you sort of have to prepare yourself for, be it in terms of average annual value you or otherwise, but they're willing to give up certain things, perhaps do these bloated payments to give them maximum flexibility, maximum optionality, so that by the time we get to 2025 and we hope some of these young players are taking the next step and the Rockets are actually ready to contend, then they have all their options open with the guys they conceivably add this summer to keep them for more years, to trade them, to let them walk entirely. Again, that's what the Rockets are trying to do is keep their options open once you actually get to the point in two years that you're ready to go into true contention mode. All signs are pointing towards Fred Van Vliet and Dylan Brooks at the top of the Rockets free agency wish list. But what other moves might they make come July 1st or even before July 1st ultimately it gets here? We're going to talk about that coming up here in just one moment. But first, today's episode is brought to you by Game Time. 
Look, buying tickets to your favorite events shouldn't be stressful. You're trying to go out and have a good time. You shouldn't be stressed about how you're going to get the tickets. Game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater events happening near you. They've got killer deals on last minute tickets and their best price guarantee. So you can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for the fun that you are going to have. You can get images of your seats before you buy. So you know exactly the type of bang that you're getting for the buck that you were spending. It's the fastest growing ticketing app in the country for a reason. So snap. Tag the tickets without the stress with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code LOCKEDONNBA for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code LOCKEDONNBA for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. And final segment here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. Now, Ben, we mentioned it briefly there for a moment. The Rockets have a lot of cap space to play with, and if they were to maybe try to make a tertiary addition via free agency, a Kyle Kuzma type, or maybe it's a, a Brooke Lopez type, although unfortunately it looks like some of the signs might be pointing towards Brooke Lopez although, wanting to stay in Milwaukee. Although I did raise my eyebrow this afternoon when Woj went on Sports Center and to peel back the curtain, we're recording this Thursday afternoon, so maybe by the time some of our listeners are hearing this, things have changed again. But Thursday afternoon, Woj was still reporting that Milwaukee was afraid of Lopez getting a big offer from the Rockets. So maybe that's not entirely implausible. We know the Rockets have talked about adding different types of bigs, a more defensive-oriented, perhaps stretch five to complement Alperin Shingun. So while I would agree that most of the tea leaves have pointed a different direction over the last 48 to 72 hours, the fact that Woj still mentioned it Thursday afternoon as viable is enough to sort of pique my interest a little bit heading into the opening of free agency. For sure, and I think... I I think it kind of dovetails with that point that you made about potentially seeing a trade for one of Jay Sean Tate or Kevin Porter Jr. Mm. into cap space because I think that when you're trying to crunch the numbers here, if you're gonna if you're gonna give Fred Van Vliet a max, right? So what I think what's his starting max like forty three million? So well, I think it's a little lower. That would be the average. Okay, of the, the two average. Years, but okay. I think it would start at closer to thirty nine or forty. I okay. think, and okay. then you would have the raise. Then, then, then let's let's say let's say forty for for simple math yeah. here, and that that might be a little off, give or take. We're just ballparking here, but let's say yeah, forty yeah, yeah. for Freddie, and then let's say Dylan Brooks, what 15? fifteen? Yeah, so fifteen yeah. feels pretty safe for him. That puts you at fifty five of your projected sixty six million in cap that you have to throw around with. That yeah. leaves you about eleven ish million. That's not going to be, be enough, enough to no. pry Brooke Lopez, but. If you were to, again, throw Jay Sean Tate to another team into cap space or conceivably Kevin Porter Jr., that frees up quite a bit more substantial space to play with. That could be the move yeah. that we see. And if the Rockets are really hell-bent on making an addition like a Brook Lopez, then we could see them make a move like that or, and then offer him somewhere in the range of, if it's Tate, then that gives you, what, $18, $19 million to offer starting out. If it's KPJ, yeah. gives you north of 20 to play with. Yeah, and that's why I wouldn't write off Kyle Kuzma either because, you know, the same principle applies, even though it's not a complete position match. At the same time, you could make Jabari your small ball five for, say, 16, 18 minutes per game whenever Shingun isn't resting, have like a Dwight Powell and a Tyson Chandler role for just those big matchups that Jabari can't handle at all. We've heard Dwight Powell linked to the Rockets a few times in uh, Jonathan Fagan's reporting this week. And then you could slide in Kyle Kuzma for some of those forward minutes, especially if you're trading Jay Sean Tate and or Kevin Mart, uh, 
KJ Martin, excuse me. I would, I would just, I would just hate Kuzma in Houston. It just doesn't well, make sense. Like, yeah, yeah. To me, you're getting into too many cooks in the kitchen territory yeah, right there. Yeah, yeah. You have too many shot creators at that point. Not enough playmakers and guys that look. We we you know, know we know that they just ousted the the sous chef Dacian Nick. So clearly they've got some shots to go around. Some more cooking needs to be done. But I don't think Kyle Kuzma is the answer, right? There's already yeah, some concerns. Yeah, about, I'd still be surprised. I'm just saying that there's there's different ways you could go about it. You, you know, if they don't get Brook Lopez. I do think in a perfect world that you'd go after another defensive-minded center, maybe someone that has some stretch five capabilities as well, so you can play five out and give some spacing around Amon Thompson, who at least early in his career is going to have some um, shooting deficiencies in all likelihood when he's coming off the bench. He's not, so he's think, not, he's not a stretch five, but what about Jakob Pertl? That's interesting. Or Clint Capella from the Hawks, who are trying to cut costs, according to a lot of reports. I, I think those are definitely names that could fit the criteria, and you'd be taking Capella largely into cap space. Perhaps you send Jay Sean Tate their way, because Atlanta is in sort of that middle ground where they want to cut costs, but it's not like they're trying to rebuild. They still want to be relevant. So I could see Tate plus a couple of fringe assets for Capella, perhaps being a fit for both teams. But yeah, you know, that would be the easiest thing to actually do like an apples to apples relative to at least some of the reasons the Rockets want Brooke Lopez. I mean, it's not like Clint Capella is going to shoot threes like Brooke does, but I think you could, you know, by and large, still get a defensive-minded center to complement Alper and Shingun. All I'm saying is that, in theory, there's other options too. You could try to downsize a little bit, play some smaller lineups with, Jabari or even Tari at the five and going true five out and those Amon Thompson minutes should note that Amon Thompson gives you so much extra length and athleticism when he is at point guard and it's basically a six foot seven giant the jumbo hooper we've always talked about um there's so many configurations you can come up with so I would say look at it more in terms of the salary slot because while the Rockets would like to fill certain needs X's and O's it's not like you're trying to win a championship next year anyway so I think ultimately it's like in a perfect world yeah like Brooke would be the guy but ultimately if if you can just get an infusion of talent with that salary slot and you feel better about the talent than you would relative to say Jay Sean Tate or KJ Martin then it's still something they should explore even if the position fit isn't completely ideal yeah I, I it, it is if feels like so much of the messaging um has been that they wanted to add you know basically one one guard one wing and one big and to me if you're gonna it just becomes incredibly redundant to try and add Kuzma and Dylan Brooks like I could I could maybe probably be talked into the idea of just adding Kuzma and then if you were not gonna bring Dylan Brooks in but but to go from yeah, I, I generally agree, although the scenario I would throw out there is that if theoretically you moved Kevin for the cap space, then all of a sudden you have a bit more backcourt minutes opened up. And so you could put Dylan into, you know, some of those minutes at the two. I know that's not the way the Rockets look at it. They're generally just looking at, you know, point guards, wings and bigs. Most of the NBA doesn't go into the level of minutia of five positions anymore in terms of how they do their roster construct. But I'm just saying, if theoretically you move Kevin, then maybe that gives you a little more optionality. Yeah. I, I yeah. I mean, it, and maybe it does, and maybe it opens up a little bit more minutes. I feel pretty confident in saying Kuzma's, not going to happen if only yeah. also if only because you know if, if they're going to bring if they were to sign Kuzma and Brooks then like who's getting benched right you're not you're not signing these two guys you're not signing a guy to bring them off the bench you're not signing a Kuzma or yeah, a Dylan Brooks one of those to bring guys them off the bench. is excited to sign with the 22 win team to play like 28 minutes off the bench yeah, exactly that's point. yeah so, so yeah I, I, yeah I mean I wouldn't say I'm a hundred percent convinced it's not happening but yeah I would say 90 plus percent it's yeah. it's okay I'll say a hundred percent for okay. both of us Ben it's it's not happening if if the Rockets if somehow sign, it does happen be mad at Jackson don't be mad at me 
yeah, yeah I'm if, with if, if the rocket no no, no it's not just if the rocket signed kyle kuzma and dylan right. brooks well, that's I my know, clarifier that's here yeah, if yeah, they yeah. sign both of them i'll do something stupid i'll i'll shave my head how's that if if they sign both of them Ooh. i will shave my head all the way off like i i will i will buzz it down i will go back to the chandler parsons haircut i've done it once before back you know during June, what was it? Uh, April 2020, my COVID haircut. I'll go back to that. I will lose the beautiful hair if if uh, Dude, they actually clip sign that. both of them. I'm going to clip that and send it to Rafael and see if he, he does it just on <laughs> There we go. Yeah, just to, just to see if we can make it happen. All right, look. So there's still a possibility for Brooke Lopez. There's still options out there. I, what are let, let's get let's go through our final predictions here. I think we're both sure. pretty much on the same page with Fred Van Vliet and Dylan Brooks terms. Uh, Fred Van Vliet, two-year max. We on the same page yep. about that? Yep. I think it's happening. Yeah. But to me, you would hear more smoke about the Rockets and other targets. It doesn't feel like there's a backup plan. There's been nothing suggesting that Toronto is willing to give anything close to a four-year max. And I was talking about it to someone nationally a couple of nights ago. And, you know, I was sort of explaining the background. Basically, you know, is Fred willing to bet on himself and his ability at 31 years old if he takes a two-year deal to go out and get another big deal in 2025 when he's 31 years old so that the totality of the money ends up as good or better than the four-year deal he'd theoretically be turning down from the Raptors right now. And that person told me, dude, his actual motto is bet on yourself, going back to when he was an undrafted free agent out of Wichita State, and he's done it time and time again. So the fact that Fred Van Fleet, his literal motto is bet on yourself – that's a compelling point. It's, you know, it's a slogan, but it also really applies here. I think he's willing to do it. And unless Toronto just does a godfather offer and there's been nothing reported in terms of their willingness to do that, they have luxury tax concerns unless they cave at the last minute. And I haven't heard any evidence of that. I think Fred is happening because it's pretty clear now that the Rockets don't really have any backup plans in terms of that lead guard role. Yeah. Fred is the guy. I think they get it done. Fred, Fred seems like the guy he addresses, uh, you know, the, the position of need that we have been begging for, for what feels like a yeah. couple of years now. Now, a floor general, a guy to really lead this group. Um, we know that Ime Odoka wanted to bring in a veteran guard, somebody to really be that table setter the for this closest, young group of guys. I would say the closest thing, this is just a little small tidbit, but the closest thing to a backup plan we heard was Jordan Clarkson and Jonathan Fagan's story Sunday or Monday. And as of today, Clarkson opted in to the final year of his player option, which sort of told me maybe Clarkson has gotten wind through the grapevine that the potential for a big offer from the Rockets just isn't there because the Rockets are getting their plan A instead. That could be it, right? And it very much does feel like the Rockets don't necessarily have a backup plan to Fred Van Vliet, which makes me think also, like, even though I feel pretty confident that the two-year deal gets it done, maybe Toronto does uh, blink at the last moment and they offer a bigger deal, longer years, whatever, or more years, I should say. I think the Rockets would probably be comfortable adding if they had to an extra year to yeah, make that's the it other happen. Part. Yeah, that's the other part too, is that if the Rockets need to go three years, we talked about 2025 as the pivot point. Well, if that next season Fred is an expiring, then why would you not at least be open to it? Not saying it's a slam dunk to do it, but I could see them at least considering it. So when we talk about these scenarios of, well, what if the Raptors blink at the last minute? Well, I mean, the Rockets might blink too. And in that scenario, they probably end up with Fred anyway, because they have the superior average annual value. So yeah, I think at this point, for a lot of reasons, the odds are high on Fred happening and the same for Dylan, I would say as well. Yeah. So Fred, two year max, uh, possibly three years if the Rockets need to feel like they need to outbid the Raptors if they budge last moment. Dylan Brooks, 
two years, two years, 30 million. We think is, is, is what we're thinking the, the contract's going to look like, or do we think it might be a three-year territory? No, I'm Another, thinking two. two. I'm thinking okay. two. I think that's part of the intrigue in Dylan, quite frankly, relative to Bruce Brown is Bruce Brown coming off that championship run. Again, it might be MLE, but it's still the same general ballpark. He can get a four-year deal because there's no concerns, whereas Dylan does need to build back his market a little bit. So I think because of some of those concerns that people have, that's why it's going to be easier to get Dylan to accept the type of structure that the Rockets want. I'm going to say I'm going to say two years, 35 for Dylan, Ooh, because, because okay. I, I think they're going to wind up having to overpay just a little bit because I do feel like there would be teams out there that would be comfortable offering a three or a four year deal to Dylan Brooks. And again, the Rockets have to be able to beat out that money on the shorter years, right? So two years, 35 versus four years, 60, like, you know, or yeah. four or four years, 48. Like if he was getting 12 million a year or the MLE money, um, the Rockets have to be able to beat that out. Not considerably, but it doesn't feel I don't know if 15 is enough if you're only giving him two years to to make it happen. So I'm going to say two years, 35 is my official prediction for Dylan Brooks. What's yours? Uh, Two years, 30. Two years, 30. Okay, all right. Let's let's see where he if he lands somewhere in the middle. And here's my my wild. It's my turn to cook, Ben. Okay. Get Chelsea out of the kitchen. Um, it's, it's my turn to cook. No, I'm going to... Chelsea here, off the internet. Here, I know. Here's my here's my big, bold prediction. We're going to see one of Jay Sean Tate or Kevin Porter Jr. traded into cap space, as we as yep. we already alluded to, and the Rockets are going to make a big play for Brooke Lopez. That is my bold prediction. Um, it's dependent, obviously, on which one of those two guys that they ultimately move, but that is my bold prediction uh, that the Rockets make a move with one of those guys, opening up some cap space and making a big play for Brooke Lopez as their final free agent addition i'll be slightly less bold i think the clint capella hypothetical that i threw out earlier ultimately ends up coming to fruition Mm. i have not heard those specific terms before but number one i'm a little skeptical on lopez leaving milwaukee a guy 35 years old who wants to win to me that's the classic situation where unlike fred and toronto where it feels like the raptors have stagnated the Bucs are still firmly in the middle of their championship window he's won a ring there before I think even if he has to sacrifice a little bit, I'll believe Brooke leaving Giannis and leaving that situation when it actually happens. To me, the Capella thing just makes so much sense because if, you know, we threw out the terms about $40 million a year for, uh, for Fred and about 15 for Dylan. So as the books are currently constructed, that leaves about $11 million in cap space. Well, if you send out Tate to Atlanta, the delta between Tate's contract and Capella's contract is about $14 million. So it it fits almost perfectly into what you would have left of your space. It fits a need for both teams. The Hawks have internal options that they can plug in at center. Tate is still a viable rotation player and sort of, you know, for the Hawks, it allows them to kill two birds with one stone. They can cut costs, and I really don't think it hurts them that much in terms of the rotation because Jayshon can still play basketball at a high level. And for the Rockets, while Capella is not Brooke Lopez, I do think he's a satisfactory alternative. He'd be happy playing in the low to mid 20s in terms of minutes per game. Gives you a completely different dimension to Alper and Shingun, which is different dimension, even though you wouldn't be able to necessarily play Alper and Shingun and Clint Capella together the way that you would be able to get away with maybe playing Brooke Lopez and Shingun together because of the spacing. It gives you a different look, which is exactly what the Rockets have talked about needing. Yeah, and he's under contract for two or three more years, so it's sort of that happy medium. It's not a super long-term deal to where you have him on the books for four years. But either – I can't remember if it's 
over in 2025 or 2026, but it's sort of in that same middle ground you talked about with Fred, which is that even if 2025 is when you want your flexibility, well, if a guy's going to be on an expiring contract entering that offseason, you can probably ditch him or wave and stretch if you need to without too much consequence. So I don't think that third year, if it goes to 2026, is all that big of a deal. Yeah, he's a different dimension. And again, I haven't heard it specifically. It's just when I look at the Rockets, I look at the Hawks, and I see what both teams need and what both teams want. To me, something involving Tate and some of the fringe parts for Capella would check a lot of boxes for both teams. And when I look at the center options in free agency after Brooke Lopez and gun to my head, I don't think Lopez is coming. Then to me, Capella is superior to the um, the Dwight Powell class, clearly. Now, I know you can go, you know, you can look at, you know, we talked about Portal earlier and some of the other names that are out there, but. To me, Capella is better than most of your other big man options, your realistic big man options for what you can do with that salary space. And again, if you throw Tate into the deal, you can effectively lower Capella's cap hit to about, you know, 13, 14 million dollars next season because you can subtract Tate from that. And all of a sudden that fits pretty well with what's left after signing Fred and Dylan. We've talked about Dwight Powell way too much on this podcast. I just want to point that out. Um, And that's completely your fault, Ben. Uh, Would you still do the deal, the one you're suggesting for Capella, if it required KJ Martin being included? Um, That's tough. I think I would. I think I, th- I, would. I, I think I think they're at a place where you're going to have to start making hard decisions. You're going to be facing a roster crunch anyways. And I think we're seeing we're, we've, we saw this play out exactly with John Collins, right, is when you hold on to an asset thinking that you might be able to get, you know, that extra 20 percent, 30 percent, whatever. Like if that's the if that's the tipping point to get that deal done, I think I would do it. Yeah, I think I would too, because ultimately I, I still have a tough time saying I know we can say that in a perfect world, the Rockets would get a first round asset for KJ, but going into the last year of his deal and so much uncertainty when he becomes unrestricted next summer and people knowing that the Rockets have this log jam, I won't say that I would, I would at least try to get some sort of draft equity for including him in the deal. Maybe it's not a first round pick. Maybe it's a pretty good second round pick. Maybe it's a swap. I don't know. There's lots of different ways you can go. We've seen the Rockets be creative in the past, including the Eric Gordon trade, which is what got them Cam Whitmore. So, you know, Maybe it's not as simple as saying just throw him in. Maybe you include KJ and Tate, and then you can get a little bit of draft equity, even if it's not directly a first-round pick. But yes, I would be inclined to try to find a way to make it work. Yeah. What do you ultimately think the Houston Rockets are going to do in free agency? Let us know in the YouTube comments. But Ben, you know the drill. Let everybody know where to track you down at. Yep, Ben Dubose on Twitter, the RocketsWire on Twitter, the Logger Line on Twitter, and RocketsWire.usatoday.com for all of your daily Houston Rockets free agency coverage. That's going to do it for another edition of Locked on Rockets. As always, thank you so much for checking out the show. If you haven't done so yet, please consider subscribing wherever you listen to your podcasts. That's Apple, Spotify, Google, the Odyssey app, free and available on all podcast platforms. We're also available on YouTube. Go to YouTube, search Locked on Rockets. Be sure to like, comment, and subscribe. But as always, thank you so much for watching. Thank you so much for listening. And we look forward to having you back right here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball.